Good morning, church. It's good to be here this morning to share the word. It's always a privilege and an honor and a huge responsibility. I don't take it lightly. Uh, Pastor Ryan sends his love. They completed the rhino horn yesterday, the group of guys, 11 hours. So they are, sorry, on Friday. So they are exhausted, but they are on their way home, and he sends much love to the church this morning. Church, are you ready for the word this morning? All right. So last week, Pastor Ryan concluded the Sermon on the Mount. For those of us that have been following through that, how many of us have been challenged by the teachings of Jesus? Do you agree? At times, it's felt like open heart surgery because Jesus deals with the issue of the heart and the heart of the issue, and he gets down deep. Amen. His word is like a two-edged sword, and it cuts right through. Cuts through culture, it cuts through our habits and our perceptions and our preferences, and cuts through religion, and it separates truth and error. And when yielded to it, it brings about transformation. Amen? So may we be yielded and surrendered to the work of God. His purpose is to have his kingdom established in the hearts and the minds of his people here on earth. And he's dealing deeply with the heart because he wants us to be good representatives of him. Amen. And for us to live worthy of the call of God as kingdom ambassadors. And so this morning, churches, I continue with the theme of kingdom. God has placed on my heart a message entitled, A Kingdom of Priests. You're excited? Kingdom of Priests. And I want to say that I am hugely challenged by this word as I realize I'm not where I need to be. (laughs) And so we learn and we grow together. Amen? Amen. So as I started reflecting on this word and doing some teaching, I realized it's not really a topic that gets discussed much. And I wondered to myself, maybe it's because we recognize it very much as being an Old Testament sort of system, you know, where the priests would come in and we recognize the sacrifices. And Christ came as our high priest And he dealt with that once and for all. And he tore the veil and he paid the price and we can now enter in without the sacrifice of blood. We thank Jesus for that. But there is still a call for believers to be priests. And I want to show you that this morning as we go through scripture. It is um, certainly not us coming in with sacrifices for salvation, but it is from a response of our salvation that we give ourselves as a living sacrifice. Amen. So as we look at scripture, Exodus chapter 19 verse 6 says, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation set apart for my purpose. In 1 Peter 2 9, it says, but you are a chosen generation 
a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Again, in Revelations 1 verse 6, it says, And he made us a kingdom of priests to his God and Father. Another translation says, He made us kings and priests to his God and Father. So we see just in these three scriptures that in Exodus, Moses stated God's intention, his order, and his design for his people. Peter reaffirms it, and in Revelation, John confirms it. So we see through this God's intention for Israel and for his people, his called out ones, his ecclesia. That is you and me. And it is a current present calling. It's not what was or what will be. It's a calling for now. Amen. So I believe that God is establishing the order of a priesthood in the church where we are able to receive counsel from God, to know him and to be known by him. And how do we do that? It's through spending time with a person. It's through drawing near, through intimacy, through relationship. But I want us to note that if this is a dual role, sorry, I wanna just take a step back quickly. I just wanna take a step back. I want you to quickly notice, kings and priests, as spoken about in scripture, it's a dual office. I know that there has been many teachings about the anointing of the king and the anointing of the priest. Kings going out to plunder, priests being in ministry. But in this scripture, I'm taking, I'm not saying that's incorrect, but I'm taking a different uh, look at it. And this is a dual office, kings and priests. When we think about kings, we think about a person that sits in a position of authority, someone of influence, Someone that would even go to war, engage in warfare, correct? If we look at Old Testament scripture, that's what the king's role would be. But wherever there was a king, there was always a priest. First, all right? We see that the priest would go and anoint the king. David and King Saul were both anointed by Samuel, and in 1 Samuel chapter 3, it says that Samuel ministered to the Lord in the temple. He was a priest first and foremost, although he operated in the authority of a prophet and spoke about the judgment of Israel, he ministered to the Lord. And Samuel goes and he anoints the king. So the order in the spirit is first priest and then king. All right? The king would never go to war before he first received counsel from the priest. So I believe God is wanting his church to experience the delegated authority as kings. However, we cannot venture into places of authority without being endorsed first in the spirit, to be known in the spirit. We see a good example of this in Acts chapter 19, the seven sons of Sceva. They go to do deliverance, 
And the evil spirit says, Jesus we know, Paul we know, but who are you? They were not known in the spirit. And so we need to make sure that as God is establishing this priesthood in the church, he's wanting us to be able to receive his counsel and to know him and then to be known. Make sense? And that, like I said earlier, comes through this intimacy, through relationship with him. If this is, church, a dual office of king and priest, we need to understand that the effectiveness as kings is directly linked to our effectiveness as priests. And this dual office, which is both authority of kings and duty of priests, when both are adhered to, that's when we start to see the kingdom of God advance. I want to say quickly, priests are not limited to the full-time ministry, nor to what happens just within the four walls of the church. If we are called to be priests, God is calling priests and kings into the marketplace, into every sphere where we are able to carry his presence and his influence and authority into every strata of society. Amen? Now, church, I want to cover more the aspect of the priest this morning. And I want to say up front, it is impossible to cover this topic in one teaching. It is huge. The more I started to study it, the more I realized this is a huge topic. So I'm not going to even try and attempt. So um, I'm purely today going to highlight what God has revealed to me and what he's spoken to me, which I believe is relevant to us as a church. Is that okay? All right. The priests had two ministries, an inner court ministry and an outer court. The inner court ministry was their ministry to the Lord. The outer court ministry was their ministry to the people. So they had these two ministries. The faithful priests who ministered to the Lord in the inner court receive God's enablement to minister to the needs of the people in the outer court. All ministry, and I'm not talking about ministry within the church like I said now. Ministry is anyone God puts in your path. All ministry should come from the outflow of an intimate relationship in the inner court. Amen? What can happen is we can become so focused on the outward that we neglect that responsibility of nurturing the relationship with the Father. And I want to say that even in the place that we find ourselves as a church right now, a couple of weeks back, vision updates, many of you signed up for different ministries. And I want to say that we need to be reminded to continuously go back into the inner court. Spend time with the Father. Get His counsel. Know His heart. And from that place, we minister it to the people. And church, I'm not talking about inactivity. Please don't misunderstand me. Because the truth is, when God has your heart, He has your service. 
You cannot love God and not love people. It's impossible. When He has your heart, He will have your service. But if He has your service and He doesn't have your heart, what happens is ineffective ministry that bears fruit that will not last. So we need to ensure as priests we keep receiving His counsel and then ministering to the people. We're okay? In Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 8, which will be the theme scripture this morning, it says, At that time, the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the ark of the covenant of the Lord, to stand before him, to minister to him, and then to bless in his name. There's a few key elements I want to pull out of this scripture this morning. The first one is they were set apart. They were carriers of his presence. That they would stand and minister to the Lord and then they would bless in his name. Four aspects I want to highlight this morning. First one, they were set apart. Church, we have been called to be set apart. And that does not mean isolation. It's not a bless me club. Men, what it means is God takes us out of the hole. He anoints us and puts us back for the benefit of the hole. It is a holiness that God calls us to. And God is calling us as priests to live in holiness. To look different. If the Sermon on the Mount didn't challenge you, I don't know what will. But it is a call to a higher standard. And so God pulls us out of the hole. He anoints us and he equips us and then he puts us back for the benefit of the hole. And so we are called to be set apart, to look different, to speak different, to respond different, to give different. It's the call of the priest. The second aspect is they were carriers of the ark, which was the manifest visible presence of God. Their lives as priests were dedicated and committed and responsible to carry the presence of God. It's what they gave their lives for. They also were responsible to tend to the atmosphere in the temple to ensure that the presence would remain. Remember, they would go in with sacrifices. They would go in with and, and prepare the showbread and trim the wick and light the candles. Remember all those duties they would do? It was a upholding the atmosphere in the temple so that the presence of God could remain. Their lives were devoted with keeping the presence of God with them. And we are called to be people of presence. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Church, let, let that sink. The manifest, visible presence of God has been put on the inside of us. And I want to say that as priests, we need to be devoted 
and committed to tending to this temple, to our own temple. You know the candle, the wick speaks about the ten virgins, the trimming, the circumcision of the heart, allowing God to do a work in us. It's attending to the atmosphere in this temple. Why? So that His presence can be visible. It can be manifest. It can be felt that when we walk into atmospheres, we shift them. Because we carry the presence of God with us. We ensure that this temple is kept so that we do not quench or grieve or suppress the Spirit of God at work. Church, His presence is not somewhere out there. Do you agree? Psalm 139, David says, Where can I go from your Spirit? Where can I flee? from your presence the presence is within it is the deposit of God the kingdom is within and there is a call that we live from that place out rather than outside in recognizing that the atmosphere around us doesn't affect the atmosphere within us but rather the atmosphere within us impacts the atmosphere around us amen And the problem is, is we often say we can't feel God's presence like it's something we need to go find. You know what it is? Our awareness has become dulled by the distractions. The awareness of God's presence has been dulled. And it is not a stepping in and a stepping out. Kirk, you often talk about that, that we live in this abiding, manifest, known presence of God. It's not a stepping in on a Sunday and a stepping out and a stepping in and a stepping out. We live abiding and staying in that place of the presence of God. Psalm 27, David says, One thing I desire, that I may dwell in His presence all the days of my life. That word dwell means to live in, but there's also a different meaning. It means to keep your attention directed to something. Think about if I say that I dwell on a thought or I dwell on a situation. What am I doing? I'm keeping my attention directed to that thing. So what that scripture says is one thing I desire, that I would keep my attention directed to your presence all the days of my life. Church, may this be our prayer to you. David was one of the greatest kings, but he knew how to minister to the Lord. He loved his presence, and he was known as a man after God's own heart. The tabernacle was a place of encounter where they would come and they would meet with God. Church, I want to say that if we become people of presence, we will become a place of encounter. We will become a place of encounter where people meet God because they see Him in us. He's visible. His presence is known. It is seen. They can see it. And suddenly they meet with God. We're called to be this kind of priest. The third element on that scripture 
I want to cover this morning is that they would minister to God. Someone said to me the other day, we cannot minister to God. He ministers to us. Isn't that so much where we've come in our Christian walk? It's all about what God can do for me. And this scripture says that priests would minister to him. That scripture said that they would stand before him. Now, there's a a Hebrew word for minister that is amad. And it means literally to stand, to tarry, to remain, to continue in, to stay up, to wait on. So this is not a doing ministry. It's a being ministry. Mary of Bethany is the perfect example where she sat at Jesus' feet. She stayed there. It doesn't talk about dialogue between the two of them. She literally sat and ministered to him by just being in his presence. And Jesus says she chose the good part. This is our being with him, for him. Eric Gilmore says it like this. A disinterested love where I want God for God and not what he can do for me. That's what God is after. Paul and Silas are a good example. When they're in the prison and they're worshiping and praising God, the earthquake takes place, the prison doors swing wide. They never ran out. They continued to praise him. Why? Because their ministry was to him, because they loved him, not because of what he was going to do for them. They remained in that place of praise and worship because they were doing it for him. And this kind of ministry to God as priest church is really about us coming to him with no demands, no requests, no needs. And saying, God, I'm here just for you. I don't know when last you've done that. But this challenged my heart. Where I just came into being with the Lord for him. And I said, God, I'm here just to bless your heart. I'm here just to satisfy you. It's not about me. Let me say, church, that is a sacrifice. Isn't it? When you run to God and you have this list of needs and there's pressure on all sides for you to say God I lay all of that on the altar and I've come just to worship you it's an act of sacrifice where I say nothing in this moment God nothing is more important than you and me being here for you You know that the first time worship is mentioned, many of you may know this, the first time worship was mentioned in Scripture is when Abraham takes Isaac to sacrifice him. And he says to his servants, you stay here for the boy and I are going up yonder to worship. Worship and sacrifice is linked. And when we come before God with no demands, no requests, no requirements, just to say, God, I'm placing all of that on the altar, it is an act of worship to Him. 
Esther is a good example of this in the Bible. She gets news of her people about to be persecuted, the Jews. And she goes before the king in the king's courts. You must know the demand. Everything is hanging on her. She goes into the king's court and he says, what can I do for you? She says, I've prepared a banquet for you. And she ministers to the need of the king. He gets satisfied. He's happy. He says, right, what can I do for you? She says, come to a second banquet. I've come to minister to you. And only after the second banquet, when he says, what can I do for you? She says, my people. So the worship and the sacrifice of being there just to meet the need of the king led to a nation being saved. It's an act of worship. It's an act of sacrifice. There's a story with President Abraham Lincoln. A woman says to him, she comes into his office and she says, I see a lot of people with requests and demands. I haven't come to ask for anything. Just to drop off cakes that I know you like. The president sat for some time. Eventually tears started to roll down his cheeks. He says, hundreds come through my doors demanding things from me. You are the first one to come to me. Ask nothing just to bring me a gift. In church, that's the worship God's looking for. That's the ministry. Let me say that when we draw near to him, he will draw near to you, I promise you. But when our motivation is to minister to his heart, first and foremost, it blesses his heart. It is a gift to him. And his desire is for you. He has this desire for fellowship and relationship. His desire in loving you is really to be loved back by you. And when we come to him with no demands and we just pour our affection on him, he gets what he was longing for. He wants our hearts, our first love, to quieten ourselves, turning all attention off of ourselves, off of everything else, everyone else and all their demands and just saying, God, I'm here for you. And we meet with the one that sits just outside the busyness and the noise waiting for intimacy with us. Even Jesus drew away to be with the Father. It's a quietening and a pulling away. It's a time of us sitting with him and just church in all that the creator desires to meet with you. What a thought. There's been times I've just sat with the Lord and I said, Lord, the fact that you are God and I am yours is really enough. It's enough. And I can come into your presence and I can, and I can enjoy this time with you and quieten all the noise. And you know what starts to happen, church? We start to learn the longings of his heart. What is on the heart of the Father in that moment? Some time back as I was just sitting with the Lord and, and just 
worshiping him, sitting quietly at times, saying, Lord, I'm, I'm not here for anything but you, I suddenly got this deep, overwhelming sense of God's heart hurting over how many rushed through life paying no attention to him. Where he wants to draw near, but we turned our attention elsewhere. And I'm not talking about those that don't know him. I'm talking about those that say they love him. And I got the sense of God's heart just being so hurt. And in that moment, I just started to weep and minister to the Lord and say, God, as for me, let my life be a reward for your suffering. Lord, would you do your work in me that I may bless you with my life. And in that moment, just ministering to the heart of God. It's a strange concept. It's a strange thing to do. But the more we sit with him, the more he teaches us the longings. And you know what starts to happen, church? When he sees the authenticity in us, in our hearts, to meet his need and what matters to him, he suddenly starts to trust us with his secrets. He suddenly starts to give us his strategies and he starts to share scripture with us, speaking directly into a specific situation. Psalms 25:14 says that there is a private place reserved for the devoted lovers of Yahweh, where they sit near him and they receive revelation secrets of his promises. It's his heart's desire to share the longings of his heart with us. But it means a coming away and a listening, a putting an ear to his heart and saying, God, what, what are you wanting? What are you saying? And this church, in this place, it leads to effective prayer and intercession. Because then he starts to share with us what his heart is. If you think about most of our prayer time is us running in, sharing what we need, telling God what he needs to do with a whole lot of wordy prayers. And at the end we say, but let your will be done. Isn't it? And really what this is, is control. It's control. Because we are trying to control the agenda of our own prayer time. But suddenly when we become ministers to him, and we sit with him and we minister to his heart first. We start to glean from him what is on his heart. God, what are you saying? What are you wanting? And then he starts to give us scriptures or he starts to give us thoughts that are aligned to him. And we surrender to his initiative and we align our hearts to his agenda in our prayer time. And I know for me there was a time when I was praying for something specific and I would do exactly that. I would you know, God, this, the, 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 if you can do this, Lord, if you would just do that. And, but Lord, let your will be done. And I would leave frustrated. And eventually God said to me, sit quietly long enough and get my heart on this issue. And as I sat with him, he started to give me scripture and I started to craft them in our quiet time where we just turn our affection and our attention to him. Asking for nothing. And this isn't a 10 step on how to do this, do this, do this, this will happen. There may be times you come out of your prayer time and you've asked for nothing 
all you've done was just minister to the Lord. There may be times he gives you a scripture. There may be times he ministers to your heart and something specific. But our intention is, God, as a priest, I'm here to minister to you first and foremost. There's a story, Acts 13, where it says that as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, set apart Saul and Barnabas for the work that I've called them to It started with ministering to him and the greatest missionary movement was birthed. From what? Ministering to the Lord. And then he starts to speak and he starts to share his heart. Church, there's times where it's just filled with praise. Ministering to the Lord. In 1 Peter 2.9 it says that he has called us a royal priesthood that we would proclaim the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. It's a ministry of saying, God, thank you for what you've done. It's a looking back and reflecting on the cross. And I don't know, church, you know, sometimes when we find ourselves in difficult situations, it's hard to praise, isn't it? But even if you can't praise him with what you're going through, praise him for what he's brought you through. It ministers to the heart of God. It's a heart of gratitude and thanksgiving that blesses his heart. Psalms 100 says, we will enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. You know what praise is? It's acknowledging for who he is. Thanksgiving is acknowledging him for what he's done. And both praise and thanksgiving is an entry point into the presence of God. Just start to remember the cross church, what he's done. There was a time also when I I was sitting with the Lord and he said to me, I want you to minister Psalm 103 back to me. So I went to Psalm 103, and it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Forget not the benefits of the cross. In church, in that moment, I got a picture of his nail-pierced hands. As I started to reflect, I just started to say, God, where would I be without your love? You snatched me from hell. You redeem my life from destruction. Your mercy goes from me to my children, to my children's children. Your love endures forever. You've stored up so much goodness for me. You have been faithful even when I have been faithless. I have been bought with the precious blood. I am not an orphan. I've been adopted. I belong to you. And I just started to thank, you know what happens? It shifts the atmosphere. Suddenly my focus is off what I'm going through and I've started to minister to him. But in that time, he draws near to me and he starts to minister to me. He starts to speak to our hearts as we minister to him. And I want to say, church, blessing the Lord is not just, Lord, I bless you. You know, if my girls write me a card 
and they say, Mom, we love you. Thank you for everything that you do. You're the best mom in the world. That blesses my heart versus if they wrote a card that said, Mom, we bless you. Right? Well, what does that mean? When we talk about blessing the Lord, it's about us getting personal, about us pouring our hearts on Him and just telling Him, thank you for what you've done. Getting personal with God and reminding yourself of everything He's brought you through, everything that He's done. That's what it means to bless. And Psalms 22 says, He is enthroned in the praises of His people. You know what that means, church? He brings his kingdom rule into the atmosphere of a praiseful worshiper. He brings his kingdom rule. He is enthroned. He brings his kingdom rule into the atmosphere of a praiseful worshiper. A.W. Tozer says, All Christ has done in the past and all that he is doing now is to this one end, worship. It's worship. How can I not but worship him when I reflect on what he's done? And so church, to be a priest is to be a worshiper. It is a life lived on the altar continuously saying, God, not my way, not my will, not my wants. I'm here for you. It's your life being lived through me. It's me doing what pleases your heart. That's why Romans says that we are a living sacrifice. Presenting ourselves before God continuously. Why? This is our spiritual worship. It's a life laid down on the altar. And church, when we are able to do these things and we set time aside with God and we just minister to his heart, We're able to step out into the outer court and bless others. The priests were responsible for blessing people. There is a call on us as priests to speak a blessing over people. We're called to speak a blessing, to speak a blessing over our nation, over our family, over our children, over our church, over our our neighbors, over our schools. Whatever it looks like, we have been anointed to speak a blessing. You know what that looks like? It could even mean us going into the shops and saying to the teller, I just want to bless you today. May God bless you and your family. There is an anointing that we carry to be able to speak God's blessing into the lives of people, to be able to bless our children, our husbands, our wives, to speak a blessing over our nation. But we are most effective in that when we've grabbed a hold of God's heart and we're able to minister His heart to people. Christ has come and called us to be kings and priests to his God. Our kingship, church, and I want to say there's so many in the body of Christ that wants to walk in authority. 
They want to cast out demons. They want to lay their hands on the sick. They want to decree and declare, but they have lost the element of the priesthood. And people get hurt in the process. And the kingship is only effective when the priestly mission is faithfully attended to. Even as I look at our vision, I think we see a new breed of worshipers. That's a priesthood. It's a people that know how to worship God with their whole lives, living on the altar, where we carry the Spirit of God, the presence of God into every atmosphere, shifting the atmosphere we step into. And through our praiseful worship, we allow God's kingdom rule to come and to break through in people's lives. Where we are able to start proclaiming his blessing and speaking into circumstances and walking in our authority and our influence. Why? So we can see lives restored. We can see cities transformed. We can see nations transformed as we first minister to him. And then we minister to others. God is calling us to be priests. And I want to say, church, if we can cultivate this as priests, can you imagine when we come together as a group of worshipers how God's kingdom rule would come and enter this place? Lives laid on the altar true worshipers in our own space, not waiting for a Sunday to come here, but in our own time with the Lord, that we would spend time saying, Lord, I'm here just to minister to you. I'm here to be with you, for you, not for what I can get out of it. And God is faithful, church. God is faithful. As we draw near to him, he does draw near to us. He is deeply interested in what you're going through but he wants our hearts first. First and foremost, he wants our hearts.